It comes with your holy word. And we thank you, Lord, that your word is ever fresh and ever new to us. Every time we open our Bibles, we get a new mercy, a new word, and a new fresh conversation with you. And we thank you for this privilege, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So we're going to talk about the fact that his word is on a mission. Okay, his word is on a mission. And we, you know, we all know the story of how the Lord Jesus came to earth. So it's the son of God as the living word was on a mission to redeem mankind and, uh, you know, fix what ails us. That's, that's what the word does. So we think about the word as the spoken word of God in the pages on the Bible, but that's just a cover. Amen. That's God's cover. He's there's more to it than meets the eye. So his word is alive and it's powerful. It runs swiftly across the earth. Uh, his word has been tried, tested and proven and it's outlasted, outdone and, and outmaneuvered everything that has ever tried to stand against it. So his word is all powerful. And so when we think about, but when we talk about, uh, uh, you know, the, the, um, our relationship with God through his word, it's so very important to understand that that word is alive and it's activated uh, in situations at all times. Every time we pray the word, every time we speak the word, every time we believe the word, that word is on a mission. So if you'll turn to Isaiah 55 verse 11, and I want everybody to make some notes, stay awake, because if you don't keep yourself alert and awake, you're going to go to sleep and miss I don't I don't understand coming all the way to church and then going to sleep on the word. So you're gonna to have to do something to keep yourself alert and awake and I think the best way is to stay engaged. You know, the Bible says to to give the word your full attention. Attend to my word, incline thy near to my sayings. And then there's life and health and medicine to your flesh and and you get the benefit of the word when you give it your full attention. So Isaiah in, in chapter 55, we know the book of Isaiah is, is uh, historically been known as the book of restoration. And it talks about uh, such glorious things. I mean, if, if Jeremiah was the weeping prophet, then Isaiah was a prophet of joy. Uh, because he brought news of the Messiah and the remedy for all of our problems. All our problems are remedied in uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes when you witness to people and tell them Jesus is the answer and they want to push push you off. Uh, well, you know, don't give me that religious stuff and all that. Well, he is in a, in a word and the people don't think it could ever be that simple that if they would start by giving their lives to Christ, whatever things they come that come against them are easily remedied and you do have a promise of a fix for your problem when you're in Christ, you know. The world can't give you that. There's nobody you can go to a doctor for help and you get no promise. In fact, you get more disclaimers now than you get claimers for anything. 
But in the church, we never read, well, faith people, I put it that way. But you should never be restricted from using your faith uh, as long as you have a proven uh, answer in the word of God. There's an answer in the word. There should never be anybody to restrict you from using your faith. Put any disclaimer on that, like if it be his will or, you know, or any kind of conditions on it. Well, if you stand on your hand for four hours, you can have that and all this kind of stuff. There should never be conditions set other than what God would set in his word. And that is righteousness. You know, you just step into his imputed righteousness and your faith becomes activated in him. Grab on to the faith of God whenever you can. Grab on to a promise of God. It'll keep you from day to day. If the promise, if the answer doesn't come today, at least your faith kept you in that place until the answer can come. So that answer will come if you will uh, uh, stay with it and stay faithful to the word of God. So God's word really is is very very powerful. You know, it's it's like it's it's kind of like a well kept secret. You know, we have this book that looks boring to people or sometimes you pull your Bible out and people say, oh, brother, here it is, you know, that kind of thing. But it's there's hidden power here. There's hidden manna here. There's uh, hidden promises here that, that are unveiled to us as we yield ourselves to God and, and to his spirit. And so it says here in I, Isaiah uh, 55 verse 6, it says, six, seek the Lord while he may be found. Man, call upon him while he is near. In other words, don't turn your back on God. Just always have have what he wants in your mind and in your heart at all times. And let the wicked forsake his way. See, these are the conditions. Righteousness and holiness are always the conditions of God. You know, we were separated him because of sin and unrighteousness. Well, imputed righteousness gets you back into the presence of God. So just forsake your wickedness, forsake your selfishness, forsake you and the unrighteous man, his thoughts. In other words, you know, don't sin against God in your thought life. Let your let your mind be healthy and holy. Let your mind have a, a health in it that's uh, of God's word. Let your mind, let his word begin to refresh your mind. Meditate on his on his word, on his goodness, on his thoughts toward other people. Let, let yourself Put yourself in the place that God has provided for you. And don't always keep in that carnal place or that lower place or that place that you used to abide. Come out of there and come up into a higher place. A higher way of thinking about yourself, about others, about uh, your life here, about what's going to happen here. And so when you come out of that, you're forsaking your, your unrighteous thoughts. Amen. Just put those things aside and come into a righteousness even in your thought life and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy on him. Amen. When you forsake all of that nonsense and come to the Lord, God will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Know what that means? It means the people we judge because we think they goof up so much. The reason they stay in the game is because they're smarter than you. They know God abundantly pardons. He doesn't pardon a little bit. He abundantly pardons. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. He said, I don't think like you think. He said, but, but your thoughts can be mine. <laughs> if you step it up a little bit. But it's not the reverse. It's never the, the, the reverse. And God's ways are not our ways. They're higher than ours. 
if he can run everything they have to be higher than ours you know somebody was I think it was uh, brother Mike Murdoch in some of his <clears throat> wisdom books he, he was saying uh, he said only God could have written the Bible he said if 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 God says a a, a woman's to reverence her husband and, and um, a man is to love his wife like Christ loves the church he said you must know that's God he said because if humans had written it the standard wouldn't be that high he said when God's writes something the standards higher if it were human writing it they would say mm, yeah I'll respect him if he respects me or I'll love her if she does what I tell her to do you got me but God's standard is so high he only he could have written these things you got me he's the only one who could have because he's the only one who can help us uphold that high standard and he says for the heavens as the heavens are higher than the earth these are simple examples if you look out there and see how high the heaven is from the earth we represent the earthling and God is the heavenly being he said that's how far my thoughts are above your thoughts and my ways are above your ways he says so high you can't even jump that high you can't jump up here and think like I think and he says <clears throat> my thoughts are higher than yours and my ways than yours he says but this is the example as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven now rain and snow come down from heaven this is how certain he is about his word his his there's a saying it's right as rain or as faithful as rain just as rain falls down it doesn't go back up but it always comes down doesn't it and it waters the earth and it gives life to the seed and it brings forth blood and it brings forth faithfully this is a faithful things that thing that happens he says with the same with the same uh, assurance you can be assured that my word will do what I tell it to do he says so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth well what does that mean it's written down on this page that means that it's come out of his mouth already you don't have to word for wait for a rhema you can rhema all day long you can read this and and suck up as much understanding of God as you want to there are some things that that are activated by need in our life and so those scriptures become quickened to you because they fill an emptiness they, there's a place for them to fill up something that's missing in your life but you can meditate on the word and get the fullness of, of understanding of God all day long all the word you want to meditate on you can meditate on just make sure you embrace it and don't kick it out because it don't seem like it belongs to you it belongs there and he says so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth it shall not return to me void but it shall accomplish that which I please so God's word is on a mission to accomplish what it says it's going to do God's word is the only word that you can utter and speak and it will do exactly what it says if you say peace peace shows up if you say success success shows up if you say righteousness righteousness shows up. if you say goodness goodness shows up if you say it will it will accomplish that mission and it will never return telling God it didn't fulfill itself it won't come back with an evil report or a negative report or report of failure 
He says it won't return to me void. It always accomplishes. God sends his word into empty spaces. You see that in Genesis 1. The earth was without form and void. And darkness covered the earth and God sent his word to accomplish removing that emptiness. He sent his word to fulfill the earth. To make it full, to make it plentiful, to make it prosperous, to make it flourish. And so when God sends his word, he sends it with the understanding of accomplishing what he says. So his word, all the words that God has ever spoken that are being heard and believed are working to accomplish a mission they are working even now even when you can't see it even when it doesn't look like anything's happened for a while that word is on a mission and it is still working even the word is 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 compared to a seed you know how sometimes a seed if it's dried up and it's not in the right conditions it's dormant but the life is still there it'll spring to life whenever the conditions are right it's the same thing about God's word God's word springs to life whenever the conditions are right wherever that word is believed that word comes alive and it goes to work on its mission to fulfill itself and do what itself says it's going to do he says here because of this promise you will go out with joy and be let forth with peace in other words this word will make you whole knowing that this word can never fail you should bring joy to you it should bring wholeness to you it should be a sense of accomplishment brought to you just knowing that and he says the mountains and hills shall break forth before you into singing and all the trees of the field will clap their hands pastor Shirley gave that example when she uh, was first baptized in the Holy Spirit she said I heard the birds sing for the first time she said everything was like a whole new life on everything around her and she said I just said to myself now these birds have been here all this time why are they singing to me now you, you understand what I'm saying there's a a revelation when God's word is fulfilled in you and that that word was Mark eleven sixteen. you know the believers shall shall pray in in new tongues so when the word is fulfilled there's evidence and there's manifestation of that fulfillment you can't have like people say things like uh, I've been baptized in the Holy Ghost but but uh, I haven't got I haven't released my prayer lane well release it then what are you holding on to it for? That's so silly to me to, to try and argue that you have something and you've never had evidence of it. Just like saying I'm married and I don't have a husband yet. You understand what I'm saying? After a while these things are a little silly. huh? Because if you're married, they eat, they sleep, they whine, complain. Well, we won't go through that, but yeah, they're loving guys. You know, they're loving guys. Whatever. Y'all do the whole nine yards, you know, loving on a good day and, and not so on the other day. But anyhow, you alive and we know it. Like you can't take a live husband and hide him somewhere and say he's there. We know it. There's evidence. So if you're if you are are have received the benefit of the word, there's evidence there. 
there's there's some evidence of the life of God that's deposited because that word is there to bring life so when when God talks about this in he says so shall my word be verse 11 that goes forth out of my mouth one of the translation used the word issued out of my my mouth that word issue is very important because you'll see it over and over again in the word of God and you'll see it in different used in different ways that word issue actually refers to the seed or natural descendants write that down because that's important for you to focus on because if we say the word is issued out of God's mouth that means that there is a descendant coming out of God's mouth huh that is alive he's got personhood so really that word is no longer and never was merely on written something written on paper but it's always the descendant of God the Father so whenever we believe God's word you are bringing into your life the descendant the natural heir of God the Father and he comes with full sonship so the legal definition in a legal sense that word issue means descendants or children as natural born that means with full when you have a natural born child versus an adopted child that that natural born born child has the full genetic inheritance of the parent you got me so Jesus comes with the full manifestation he is the full expression of the father God there's nothing taken away from him there's nothing different between Jesus and the father a issue or seed or descendant is different from an heir now we are heirs and joint heirs Jesus is both issue and heir he's both descendant and heir we are heirs through adoption but we are not necessarily the equivalent in a real sense of the natural born we are born again of his spirit which means we have the seed potential for full kinship with him but it's as you take on his likeness we're developing into it see there is in is the difference and we have full airship with him so we have to come along with the word we are born again of the word we must come along with the word he is we are joint heirs with him and adopted daughters and sons in a legal sense heirs are not the same thing as descendants and issues say for instance Miss Juana your children Frederick Shakoya and Christina are your descendants and heirs if for some reason when you pass away say you live to be 200 
and they're gone by that time in order for somebody to inherit what you have we would get the other heirs which would be nieces nephews aunts uncles next of kin but not your seed you got me so they would so your seed gets the inheritance first your natural descendants are always the first in line and if you share an inheritance with a natural descendant you are in the best place to be the fact that we are joint heirs means that we don't have to qualify on our own you got me you don't have to worry about qualifying on your own all you have to do is keep your relationship to the descendant to the issue to the natural heir you got me you go along for the ride and he's not just a cosigner. You can speak up and receive your own inheritance. You got me? You use your words to speak forth the things that he puts on your heart belong to you. You got me? That's a joint heir. He has everything. He feeds that knowledge to you. And you speak it forth into your life as you see need and you see necessity. And you see opportunity to receive it. So the heirs can be any other kin. After the natural descendants are removed, so to speak. A person who has no issue, when they put that in your, your will, that means that you have no natural descendants. Got me? So no children. If you had no natural children, then it would say there was no issue in that. And they would immediately look for the next of kin. So there are no descendants. <clears throat> So the son is issued forth from the father. The word is issued forth from the father. The father being the originator, the concept, the big brain, if you will. It's like a, a, your, your words issue forth from your thoughts. So do your actions. Mm-hmm. Words and actions issue forth, forth from your thoughts. They're offspring of your thoughts. In the same way, the word of God is the offspring of the Father. Man. So the word is the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is always alive. Always alive. And is capable of carrying out all that it says. In John 1.1, it tells you that the word of God was with God from the beginning. So the word originated everything. There is no difference between the father and the son as far as origination is concerned. They were always one, always there together. The way they relate though is that the son springs off from the father. John 1 1 says in in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. With and was. Same thing. The same was in the beginning with God and everything that was made all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. So nothing here exists without God's creation. Without his creative stamp being on it. There is no big bang. There is no uh, you know, pool of 
uh, you know, pool and, you know, where all this stuff originated in water and then it started to crawl out and all this kind of stuff. The, the creation is, is in the Bible the way it really was. The truth about creation is there. The word is always active in creation. Always active in creation. <clears throat> the mission really is to keep creation the way God intended it. That's God's, God's plan and God's will is to keep creation the way he intended it. So if you're going to make a, a decision on what type of, of choice to make, always choose which way God's going. Always choose the word of God. Always choose what's in God's mind. Always choose what's in his heart. How do we know what's in his heart? Well, he's for life. He's for liberty. He's for freedom. He's for holiness and purity and righteousness, relieving oppression, bringing health to the sick. You look at what Jesus did and you can get a good reflection of what God's about. And so if you ever, ever, ever want to know if God, should I pray this way? Should I pray that way? You find out what's in God's heart. You find out what's in his mind. What's he about? What, what's he care about? What's his heart long for? And it's easy to find out what he, he wants to do. And you can start using his word to form his will down here on earth. The word mission really is it means to send. So if something is issued, spewed out of God's mouth, it already has direction on it. It already has a force and a, an aim to it. And the fact that it's sent out like that means that it already has a a uh an um an impetus and a power and a force to it that is always forward moving it's never going to lay dormant and sit down and rest it's always going to be moving forward the bible says the word runs very swiftly across the earth and so if we'll understand that, then we'll understand that there's nothing that can impede the word of God. Nothing. It's on a mission. The word mission, the root word, is the same root as missile. And that's a projectile that goes forth. So when it comes out of God's mouth, it's shot out onto earth with a force and an impact that cannot be stopped. So the fact that it is on a mission means that it is sent out to accomplish a goal. Always. Any mission has a goal. When the churches send out missionaries, well, you know, some of them send and some go. <laughs> but that word mission really means sent. That's The mission is, is really the uh, Latin form of apostle apostles uh, apostle is the greek form of the same word right. so when we talk about an apostle being a sent one which we know many of them don't go anywhere they just call themselves something but they are sent forth by god to accomplish the work of the ministry they're supposed to be out going somewhere doing something leading somebody to christ Instead of sitting up with a title waiting on an invitation and a paycheck. 
Any mission is a set of tasks that fulfills a purpose. All missions are purposeful. So a mission is a set of tasks that fulfills a purpose set, set up by an employer. So Jesus was employed by the Father and was sent on a mission here to earth to do a number of things but the primary focus was to redeem mankind pay the price to get mankind back into the will of God get us back to our inheritance back to our father back to his kingdom when we were lost and could not be found the son was sent out to retrieve us and bring us back the terms issue, launch, and sent refer to a deliberate, focused act of aiming at a target. So Jesus as the word and as the word that we speak now is always focused and aimed at a target. That's why when you tell people about God and you start speaking his word, there's the discomfort is there. See, you may not be aiming in any way. You may just be speaking what's on your heart to speak. But just because you speak it, it doesn't mean there's no aim to it. It gets aimed anyway. We wouldn't know where to aim it to shoot it right to begin with. So the word is always under God's direction. It's never under ours, folks. Never. It's always under God's direction. Period. He owns his word. That's why his word won't return void. He knows how to maneuver his, his word through the earth. He knows how to get it to confront certain things. He knows how to get it to hang back until things cool down and it can press forward unhindered. That word does everything God sends it out to do and it does it with God's wisdom. That's why you can't direct the word of God. Only thing you can do is cooperate with the unction to speak it and release it down here in the earth. So we're 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 the, the we're actually we're more of the the trigger that releases it than the aim. Got me? He aims it. We just release it, and in releasing it, we get the benefit of it. Whoever releases it gets the benefit of it. If you don't release it, you won't get the benefit of it. You know, I appreciate that people want prayer, but sometimes you need to come and learn how to pray for yourself. So that when you can, can be proficient in learning how to release the word into your situation, and you're not frustrated and dependent upon man for everything that you need. God wants you to come to him and understand how to do these things because you belong to him. He's your father. He wants to talk to you. So the words, the terms issue, launch, sent, they all mean a deliberate focused act of aiming at a target. So that's why God's word never comes back void. It's always focused on something that it needs to perfect, it needs to help, it needs to get situated. It, 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 it will accomplish that because it has direction, it has purpose. It has fulfillment. It has uh, all that it needs. The word will never go into a situation and not bring it into God's order. It, it will come into or God's order. Uh, the Bible says the uh, in Genesis one the the uh, God said let there be 
And there was. Just like what he said. So when God's word goes out, it conforms exactly to what it says it's going to do. It's a performer. It performs itself. So it is always sent with a deliberate intent and power. I don't care how wishy-washy you are when you say it. I don't care how slow you are to believe it. Once that word gets in, it will accomplish what it's supposed to accomplish. See, our, our only job is whatever word goes forth from God, mix it with faith. Start believing the word, not somebody's interpretation of the word or somebody's slant of the word. But you go find that word for yourself and you start meditating on it and believe it because that word that's sent forth out of God's mouth is the one that's going to prosper and, and, and do what it says it's going to do. Jesus, as the word, was on a mission. And the word has all the faculties that Jesus has. So it has his mind. It has his wisdom. It has his timing. So it's very important that God's ways are not our ways. That means that his time is not our time. It's never our time. Many times God is trying to get us out of the way so he can manifest quickly. You know, we're accustomed to just kind of being uh, slow about everything and dragging and not believing half the time and wrestling and all that kind of stuff. You know, God sometimes just wants us to move out of the way so that he can do the things that he, he wants to do. In fact, I see God doing more with his word to accomplish a sense. There's a sense of accomplishment accomplishing fulfilling and making everything whole now that I haven't noticed before it might be that that he's been doing it all along but to me it seems like this is more of a season of God summing up and accomplishing and completing and doing it suddenly I think suddenly works for God because it, it gives man less time to get in and screw it up. You know, with our, you know, pride and our arrogance that we could tell God what to do. You know, we do it anyway. We know better, but we do it anyway. And so we have to, to relinquish these things to God and understand that he, he wants to do these things for us. But there is a, a now a, there must come now a holy respect for God and his word that the word accomplishes once it goes out it accomplishes and it's improper for us to try to manipulate it, maneuver it, hold it back, guard it. Push it, you know, we, we must now as believers have total trust in God and in his word. Once it's believed, it's spoken, and all that kind of stuff, we've got to stop putting our hands on everything. Got to leave stuff alone so that God can accomplish. See, that's faith. Faith speaks the word and go down and sit and have a cup of coffee or something. Or go do something, you know, something to take your mind off of trying to fix everything so that God can do something. You know, it's just got to, we got to get rid of the immaturity and the nonsense in the affairs of God's kingdom. 
So <clears throat> Jesus' word has all the attributes of himself. Has all the attributes of God in it. It has strength and it has power. We've got to understand that God is not weak. He's all powerful. His word has wisdom and knowledge. So it has, it has the faculties of intellect. It has the faculties of a mind. We'll put it that way. Mental faculties. It has strength and power. And it has vision and determination. It's on a mission to accomplish the let there be of God's word. Whatever God intended in the beginning and he said let it be. Then Jesus' word comes to bring that back into manifestation. So it cannot operate in carnality. It can only operate in holiness. It can't operate there. Cannot. God's word will manifest itself. In other words, it does what it says it's going to do. Mm -hmm. You know, you can say all the sayings of Buddha and Confucius, but they don't happen. They're just little happy thoughts for you to think on until, I guess, till you show up in hell if somebody doesn't witness to you and, and tell you the truth. And so those things, I mean, I don't care if there's wisdom in it. They don't manifest. Only God's word will manifest. So if it's not, if you can't find it in the Bible, I don't care how good it sounds and how wise it sounds. It's never going to happen for you. It's just going to be a happy thought <coughs> to keep you preoccupied for a season. The word of God also brings change to us. It is living word and it will compel us to conform to it. But not the reverse. In other words, people can't fight God's word forever. Once that word is released into their lives, they must conform to that word. They must, as long as we keep our stand on it. Once that word, say for instance, in your prayer life, once that word is prayed and it's released through you, your stand on that issue if it's not wavered and it's not relinquished and released, will continue to cause that word to work. That's why the Bible says that we will reap if we don't lose heart or we don't faint. There's a condition on that. Because you can walk away from the word. You can get just crazy and, and walk away. But if you would repent and come back to God, that word is still standing there waiting to accomplish what you you didn't want it to accomplish in your life. It's one of the, the, the uh, ways that God shows great mercy to us. We can pick up that life. Uh, of God whenever we decide to come back to it you know it's the word is there waiting for us that's why the Bible says Jesus says he will never leave us or forsake us so it's great mercy that he brings us back to himself see now many times people don't live up to it I don't know why they they can 
if they would come back but the condemnation of the devil keeps people messed up in their heads you know that thought that I I never should have messed up and if I hadn't messed up it would that's horrible to live through it's best I don't care what it costs you to obey God just keep obeying God I don't care if you never get as as wonderful as you thought you were going to be in God just keep obeying him at your level you don't have to be wonderful all you have to do is faithful I don't see a fruit of the spirit that's wonderful yet. I see faithful. I see, you know, peace and and love and kindness, gentleness, meekness, all those things. Those are good attributes to have. What's wrong with that? Why we all got to blow up all of a sudden and, and be this and be that in order to say we've got God with us. You know, that's nonsense. God is the God of the living. He's the God of the small. He's the God of the big, if they'll let him be. He's the God that's everywhere in all things. And so we should never let there be some type of a standard that we set on top of God's word. Just let that word work and do what it says it's going to do. There are people you and I will touch that the people on TV will never see and never really care to see, to be honest with you. They they want... A certain when every minister when they set out has a certain idea of a type of congregation in their minds except the ones who just trust God you know it's the whosoever you want a whosoever minister in your life you don't want a, a certain kind in your life you know but you God wants us to touch everybody there was nobody Jesus didn't touch he even touched lepers and it was a suicide to touch a leper they didn't touch him. The priest would, if they were ever considered to be cleansed from their leprosy, the priest inspected them first and they were pronounced clean. But you didn't go up to them in their leprosy and touch them. And so Jesus even touched the leper. And that's what he wants his people to do. We're supposed to touch everybody with the love of God. We can't ever, you know, pick and choose and be respecters of persons. God leaves us then. He's not going to get involved in that nonsense. And so it's a good thing to keep that in mind. That that word, God's word, is no respecter of persons. God's word will manifest for everybody in every situation when the conditions of the word are met so that's what we got to do is stay in in the spirit and stay in the realm with God so that our hearts can can help to match the conditions of the word so God's word is on a mission to accomplish the let there be of his word and it will manifest itself in other words the word does what it says it will do so in manifesting itself <clears throat> that means if if the word has healing in it it brings healing if it has success in it it brings success if it says if it's a word that helps you to obey it will help you to obey there's a quickening or a life-giving power to the word it gives eternal life that life that is above the normal natural life it gives supernatural life <clears throat> in mark chapter 4 we see an example of the word manifesting itself in 4 verse <clears throat> 
35 the same day when the evening was come Jesus said to them let's pass over to the other side when they had sent away the multitude they took him even as he was in the ship and there was also with him other little ships so we have a fleet of ships and Jesus is in the larger one apparently with the disciples there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full so there's water filling up in the ship and Jesus was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow so it's not like he was down there drowning or anything you know there's water sloshing in there but it was not enough to disturb him so he was sleeping they awoke him and says master don't you care that we're going to drown to death don't you care about us Jesus hmm? you know we get ourselves into a mess sometimes and then we get mad at God because we got us in there God don't you care what I'm going through you see what I'm going through don't you so anyway and he arose rebuked the wind and said to the sea peace be still and it was so so his word peace brought peace God's the only one who can do that that word was on a mission to calm the sea down and it calmed it down immediately didn't take four days it didn't take fasting it didn't take now God's word knows what it needs to do in order to get things taken care of if you need a fast manifestation word he'll send you one called a gift of faith God has to take his word and separate it out in the in its intelligence so it knows when to hang back when to move forward when to stay where it's at it the word itself knows all of that it has the the intelligence of God in it at all times so if God if you need immediate help release from something God knows how to by his Holy Spirit put the right energy on that word to cause it to help your situation in the way you need it for your wholeness right then and right there you You don't walk around with that ability all the time you don't walk around you don't own the gifts of the spirit you don't own the gift of faith God's God's word is intelligent enough to bring the manifestation timing with it when it's spoken all it needs is somebody to come and open up their mouth and cooperate with him so that he can get the word released into the situation you gotta be intelligent enough to ask for help you got to be smart enough to respond to that unction within you that's saying what needs to be said at the time it needs to be said. But that gift of faith is what was in operation with Jesus because he didn't have that on him all the time. When he said let's pass over to the other side they didn't immediately show up there. They got in a boat. They got everybody got in and they started rowing because that's was appropriate for that situation they didn't need all of that right then
It wasn't like magic where Jesus would say, well, let's do that. And it was immediately done at all times. You got me? God has a uh, an intelligence in how to work with human beings so that we can live normal people down here on earth. But he also knows how to help us in emergency situations. The gift of faith is more a manifestation when there's a threat to your security, a threat to your life, or a threat to somebody else. You'll see that thing speed up and get there just like it would if say if, if you were if you were standing here and you saw a kid in the street and there was a car coming you'd run out and go get that kid it's the same thing with God's word he knows when something's being threatened and how long we have to get it to to eradicate and that's what the gift of faith is for it's a special faith that comes on your words to cause that thing to manifest in such a way it brings God's will into it the way God wants it to be and it it'll cause it causes a sense of wholeness to the people that are receiving of it it brings them say for instance you have people who are worriers and concerned about things God knows how to send his word into those situations and bring <coughs> enough of an answer to bring that person's mind into a healthy state of mind and so he knows everything that needs to be done and will do it in situations God is is works in such a way that he doesn't leave anybody out that needs to be touched in that situation. He knows how to help everybody involved. And this is something that people when you talk about answers to prayer where other people are involved this is where we get in trouble. Because we don't know how to factor in what God's going to do about my husband, my kids, my this, my that. We see everything as a hindrance to our well-being when really God's already got a picture of how he's going to settle up for everybody in the situation. It's not just about us because we love God and we pray so much. It's about everybody involved in the situation. Sometimes we're we're God's allowing us to see that he cares about others as well. You know, sometimes you know there's this thing on Christians that that we get into uh sometimes where we feel like we're the only ones that God has any concern about in situations. You know, like well, why can't I have that right now? You know, well, you know, you got a husband and family here and maybe they don't want the same thing you want in the same way you want it. So I got to satisfy everybody. This is a family I'm taking care of, not just you. Or, or you know, uh, God show my husband this is what we need to do on our vacation. Well, wait a minute. You know. <laughs> Just because you're the believer, you know, and you pray, does that mean that you get to lord it all over? See, he keeps us in our position and our place. Everything that he does must be done by the book. And he's not going to have you lording it all over your household just because you think you can do that because you know him. If you know him, you'll humble yourself to everybody there and be the bridge that they can get to know God by. Thank you. 
people sometimes get this protective thing, especially over children. You know, I see it all the time. You know, instead of, you know, asking God to get your kids converted so they can learn how to pray and, and be strong Christians and all that. Well, give them a raise on the job. You always ask him for a raise. You know, why don't you ask for some character development with that race so that you know when they when they don't beat up all the the you know the uh subordinates under them and all that kind of stuff those things are important to God it's important that you understand that that he wants your children to walk in his ways not just his provision you know it's it's very important and so these things must be held in, in uh, proper priority, uh, I think, with God. You know, his heart is toward them conforming to the image of Christ. It's, that's very important. Once they get that, then everything else will come. Huh? Aren't we told to seek the kingdom first and then stuff is added? Well, I think if we can pray those kinds of prayers, we'll have less trouble trying to get them to hold on to the things that God's blessed them with. So Jesus spoke peace, said, peace be still, and immediately the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Uh, a great calm. In fact, it went over that whole body of water. It went as far as Jesus and his intelligence and his wisdom decided it was supposed to go. You got me? And so within God's word, when it's issued out of his mouth, is the understanding of the end result when that thing manifests. What's it going to look like? What's the, the family going to look like? What's the education going to be like? What's the, the uh, uh, career going to be like? All of that is already in the mind of God when that word comes forth. So he has the whole package already planned out. We just have to trust him and get out of the way and not try and put doubt in there or manipulate it or try to figure out how it's going to be put together piece by piece. You know, just let him put everything together the way he wants to do it. <clears throat> He'll leave enough for you to do, to, to goof up on your own. You got me? I always say he lets you put the accessories into the outfit, you know, but he'll get you the good basics, you know, get you a good basic outfit and he'll let you add a few accessories to it. Sometimes if you trust him, you'll get the accessories too. get them for free. So God's word will manifest itself. As we said, we just gave our example and Jesus speaking to that, that uh, sea and making that calm come to it. So the word was sent to cause peace and that mission was accomplished in the time designated because they wanted the disciples wanted it right away <clears throat> and God didn't disappoint them. We have to get beyond thinking that God doesn't want to do certain things. Like he doesn't want to make us happy. He doesn't want us to be content. He doesn't want us to. You got me? He wants that for us. But we must do it his way. We have to have his ways about us to accomplish all of those things. But he did it in a timely manner so the disciples can come back into their peace and their wholeness. Now suppose God had let them continue to be tossed out there where the threat keep coming up and coming up and coming up. Well they would have probably taken matters into their own hands and done something destructive. So God knows how to remove all of the threat of destruction from our lives. He'll just take it out of there. 
You know, you look up one day and that thing you were so concerned about will be gone all of a sudden. Because he's taking care of it. He does it. He does those things. So, the other thing uh, God's word does is it brings life. John 1, 4, we just saw that. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. He was in the beginning with God. He has eternal life in him. And that life is what brings light to men. Other than that we we live in darkness. We know that. Anybody who's without God is in darkness. Verse 4, John 1, 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. So when Jesus came into the earth, he brought the light of eternal life with him. He always brings that. When you step into a room, you bring the light of eternal life with you. You can't turn it on and you can't turn it off. It just comes with you. The Bible tells us to let our light shine. In other words, don't hinder the Holy Spirit. Don't frustrate the grace of God. Don't sit on the work of God. But let that light shine. In other words, you're not in control of the light. You just move out of its way. You get your darkness out of the way of the light and you allow it so you allow God to live through you. You allow him to manage. You don't have to put anything on or rehearse anything that you're going to say to anybody. This is a this is a non-orchestrated life that we live in God. There's no rehearsals, there's no uh curtain calls, there's no <clears throat> you know uh, uh what do you call them? Uh, auditions. We're all qualified to do as, as much as we're able to do. Many of us were so qualified when we were first saved, we got scared of ourselves. Huh? Just that life. Just You know how when you're first saved, you're excited about God and you think everybody else is too, so you just blurt out everything? Well, that was letting your light shine. Then we get what we call wisdom and we stop. We put the light out. We just stay, keep darkness in front, keep the shadows in front of the light all the time. Then we wonder why we're not happy. We wonder why we, you know, we just bored with our Christianity, always looking for something else, you know. And so if you will allow that to come forth out of us, just allow it to happen. And allow it as often as you can. Talk to God about giving you more opportunities to allow your light to shine. God, use me more. I, I like that. I like it when you can, when you open doors for me to talk to people about you. Hey, let, let's do more of that. And he'll 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 uh, he'll accommodate you. God, give us more opportunities to share Christ with people. Give us more opportunities to invite people to church. Let us be that crazy person on the block that they know when we we're coming you know we'll be that person and uh but everybody knows you know they're supposed to know folks not not a closet christian you're supposed to be known that's your light should shine that much that they know you belong to god you know that it's got to shine that much that's your witness so he brings life in john chapter 11 Let's go to John chapter 5 first and I'll show you the connection 
of him being issued forth from the Father. Whenever they use that term issue, the Hebrew automatically thought of your children and your seed. For that the Father has life in himself, so has he given to the Son to have life in himself. So you can see the Son being the direct expression of the, the Father, the Son being the direct descendant and offspring of the Father. So when you see Jesus, you've seen it all. You've seen the Father and you and when he speaks his words and when his words come to pass, you see the manifestation of the work of the Holy Spirit on those words. I mean there's no there's no uh, speaking the word without the Holy Spirit following it up. I don't care where it's spoken. There's no void word spoken. That word is always alive. You know, people say stuff like, uh, uh, you know, dead word. There's no dead word. It's, that word comes alive when it's believed. <laughs> you know, come on, us. We add the life to it. It's not dead if it's believed. If it's resisted, it's dead. Huh? You ever been in a dead congregation? Even the little bit of word that's preached there and that's spoken there, they put a tight rein on it so that it's resisted and it's not believed. So unbelief then starts to rule in these atmosphere spheres instead of faith. You ever seen in a dead church one person will get healed when somebody comes through and speaks that? They believed. A believer, one believer in a dead church can cause the whole thing to turn around. That's been proven. How do you think revivals got started? When they would have moves of God. It was one person would come in with faith in their heart for one scripture and begin to say it. And that, that, that one believer was able to flood out all that unbelief, pass judgment on that unbelief and it had to go. That's how things turn around folks. God says he can save by many or by few. He don't care. He just wants his word to be believed. So you can believe the word and get the benefit of it and go on on your merry way and leave a whole church full of unbelievers sitting there resisting the word and stiff. Look at Joshua and Caleb. They made it through. There were two of them out of two million or four million people and they kept multiplying. All that unbelief kept multiplying. But they held on to the way. You can believe God. You don't need friends to believe God with you. You don't need pals. If you're the last one believing God's word, you hold on to it. You don't need a whole bunch of people to help you believe God and come hold on with me, saints, and all this kind of stuff. You stir up more unbelief and confusion on your situation, begging people to pray with you and believe with you. Nonsense. So anyway, in he issued life was issued forth from the Father. He has the same life in him, the Son does, as the Father. So the intent of God's word is always the same. It has the same intention all the time to all people who ever believes it. The intent of God's word never changes. So you can trust the word of God. When it comes into your life, it's going gonna, it's gonna to do you good. It's always it's going to be full of love, full of hope and promise. All of those things that God intended on his word from the beginning are still there. It never changes. In John chapter 11, you'll see the, the life-giving power of God's word. 
11. <coughs> This is a story of Jesus. You know, they call Lazarus, verse 1, a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany. And uh, he, that Mary, uh, <coughs> and he says, his sister sent to Jesus saying, Lord, he, though uh, the one whom you love is sick. And Jesus heard that. He said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. So that word that he spoke there is on a mission. You got me? That word is on a mission. It is so important to get the word of God sent out over your situation. Huh? That's very important. If you can't remember anything else, get the word on it as soon as possible. When the doctors tell you they see so and so and such and such and you tell the Lord, well, Lord, I thank you that I am healed by your stripes, Jesus. I am healed and put the word on top of what they tell you. And then that word begins to work because it's on a mission. And he says, you know, the, the world's mission is to get you to let go of God's word. The mission of God is to get you to hold on to it. And he continues to minister the holding on to the word to us as long as we're here on earth. God will never minister, let go, quit. We do that. His, his, his word is always on a mission to accomplish itself and it never changes its mission. Got me? And he says... Lazarus was sick and, and he said this sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God. In other words, I am going to manifest the glory of God in this situation. And he says that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. In other words, and this is true whenever you pray. Whenever you give it to Jesus, he will manifest his glory. The sickness, if the sickness goes, if, if it's never prayed about, it is unto death. When it's prayed about, it's automatically over into God's kingdom. It's for the glory of God from then on out. You got me? It is not to say, does it say anywhere that God made Lazarus sick? Does God make people sick so he can be glorified? Sickness happens on his own. So God doesn't really have to give anybody anything to get glory. They get it themselves. But once they give it over to him in prayer. Then it's for his glory. Now Jesus loved Martha and all of them. When he heard therefore he was sick. He still stayed two days in the same place where he was. Well he's, he's, it's on his schedule. Okay, once you pray, he hears it. His word is on a mission to heal him. He already said it's not unto death. So it's on a schedule. After that, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. So let's go someplace else. And his disciples said to him, don't you remember the Jews start the uh, sought to stone you and he says are there not 12 hours in a day and so forth and so on so he's just doing his usual thing taking care of everybody's business see God has more on his plate than your frantic cries Amen. he says <clears throat> In verse 11, these things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus is sleeping, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. 
This is the second person he's talked about being asleep after they prayed for them to be healed. See, when you're in Christ, you're not dead, you sleepeth. If, you're, if you've asked to be healed and you've stood on the word for healing, continue to stand. See, it's asleep to him. And he says, and the disciples said, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spoke of his death, but they didn't know, whatever, whatever. Jesus said to them plainly, and in your terms, Lazarus is dead. Okay? I'm not talking about nappy time, nap at night, but let me clear this up for you. He did, all right? He says, and I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there. Now he's glad, he's dead, and I'm glad. He says, to the intent that you may believe, nevertheless, let us go to him. So Jesus is kind of like talking to himself, talking to them. They don't understand most of it, but you guys say it anyway, trying to clarify things, get them to understand things. Because this is going to be what they do for a living after he's gone. You got me? And he said to Thomas, which is called Didymus, to his fellow disciples, let's go that we may die with him. And Jesus came and found that he had laid in the grave four days already past the time where he stinketh after three days they all know that Bethany was nigh to Jerusalem about 15 furlongs many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother so really they asked Jesus like last week when he was sick so the prayer went forth for a healing on a sick bed and that's what they had in mind they had a vision of Jesus getting there before he died and healing him which they had seen a lot of that but Jesus has in his mind to manifest the glory of God whenever he gets there so there is no time limit on what God wants to do he will manifest his glory one way or the other if it's in your time if it's in his time I don't care about the time he don't care about the time he brings life with him wherever he goes and so knowing that he brings life with them he is not pressed as far as natural time is concerned he's not pressed as far as symptoms of are concerned he's not pressed as far as how bad it's concerned it's just when his word is believed and is held on to he will manifest his glory when he gets there and so he says Martha said to Jesus in verse 21 Lord if you had been there he would have not what would not have died but I know that even now whatsoever you'll ask of God he'll give it to you Jesus said your brother shall rise again Martha said to him I know he'll rise again on the resurrection of the last day now she didn't believe nothing she just told him she's just talking religious talk See? well I know whatever you ask a quote in scripture at him whatever you shall ask he shall give thee Okay, I'm going to ask him to raise your brother up. Oh yeah, I know. He'll, he'll resurrection day. We all going to raise up. You know. She wasn't thinking about him being raised from the dead then. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. In other words, I bring life with me. I bring resurrection life with me. I don't care if somebody dies. I can raise them from the dead because I have power over death too. All life and death is in my hands. And he says... I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. That's not just talking about 
people that need to be saved the first time. That's talking about people that die. You see these people that get in a bad accident and then they they die and people and they say I saw my body lifted up and I went up to heaven and Jesus said it because they have the will to live or the desire to live he says he who yet though he were dead yet shall he live that's how those people get back life in them they're believing there are certain people that have a car accident and they plan to live until they got to be grandparents you think those people just go and die anyway if they continue to believe there's got to be some faith in them working to keep them here on earth the fact that they come back or intercession happens for them like it did with Martha and Mary and somebody prays and they come back and they go ahead and live out their days but they are never the same some of those people just say well I'm just waiting around here I know what's waiting for me and I'm excited about it they're more excited about heaven you know this is like a chore for them now you know it's like something they got to go through in order to get to where they really know they belong and that's a good thing because we need people to be excited about heaven while they're down here on earth other than that we'd all be in sin you know if this was all we ever knew about we'd be tying one on that, that you wouldn't believe and so Jesus brings life with him he has life that word of God has life in it praise God he brought life wherever he went remember when when uh, the people he began to to teach on the blood and eating of his body and drinking eating his flesh and drinking his blood and then people were upset and they turned away from his teaching and he asked uh, the disciples he said are you going to leave me too and Peter said where are we going to go you've got the words of life in other words we follow you because we are are helped by your words we're encouraged by your words we we would they give us a life there's life in your words that we've never experienced before we follow you because there's life in your word you know that's a wonderful understanding of God to have to follow him because there's life there whether you whether you get everything you want on this side of heaven or not there's life that's what keeps you alive every day things don't keep you alive it's his word that keeps you alive he's got the there's life in what he's speaking at all times and that's so very important we live more out of the fruit of God's spirit than we do out of manifestation of his promises you get a paycheck every week but you don't just live for that paycheck God, you die if that was all you were living for b- between Monday to Friday or Monday or every two weeks whenever you get paid you drop dead of a heart attack because of the frustration and the fear and all of those things that hit us from day to day if you didn't have his eternal life feeding you every day if you don't know how to live out of that spirit uh, that regenerated spirit of life that he brings to us every day we we just we don't you don't know how to live really you know there there are countries where people will never aspire to the material that we have it's just so hard to get it there I mean God would would give it to him if he found faithful people to get it to him you know it's a it's a a thing you know system has to be developed for that 
But many times those people can live off of the blessed life that they have. Just the peace in their soul. The acknowledgement of the reality of God. Just knowing that he's, he's really, really there. He's, he's really there. When they have that companionship and that fellowship with God. Where he's made himself real and made himself known to them. That overshadows anything that they can confess for or be blessed for or anything that they you know I was watching this uh, just Oprah has this show where she has different people come on there and and just share you know like their lives I think it's called master class or something like that you know well she's got real flowery words I mean these are human beings tell them what human beings go through but anyway uh, Lenny Lenny Kravitz you know the um, musician was on there and he was saying how you know talking about his parents and his upbringing and he said I've never not known he said I've always known that my purpose in life was to make music he said I've never not known that he said and I can't imagine anybody not knowing what they're here for and then he went on talked about some other things but he also related a story about himself he he was at a uh he was in a children's choir maybe he was preteen maybe like 11 12 in that age group and uh i think most of the kids had gone for a trip or maybe gone home and he was there with this kid that was a uh you know a residential place and so they were like the only two on this little campus or a little camp or something in a dorm or something and he said this young man he said we were we were the only two left there he said and uh, he was in his bunk and i was in my bunk he said and he he started telling me stories from the bible and he said he knew scripture he said i never he said when i looked at him i never knew he knew all of that he said but he began to talk to me and tell me about Jesus he said and he knew these things so well and he he said it was just like a conversation we shared but every time he would tell me something it was God's word talking to me he said and as we talked he said the presence of God came into that room and just filled it up he said he said and there's no way anybody can tell me that God does not want to come and visit human beings and make himself known to them he said i know for certainty that god is real that he's alive and that he loves us and wants to be around us and be with us now he ain't serving god but that experience has convinced him of the personal whereas many people get hung up on religion and you can't get them out of that because they like it so much because they can be carnal in being that but he has a revelation that God is alive and is real and that's what so many people are lacking in their understanding of God and so that life of God that comes as a, a real tangible force is something that God longs to manifest to everybody. If he can show up with two little pre-teenage boys just in their conversation about the word to make that impression on them to let the one kid that didn't know know that he's alive. At some point that revelation is going to become more real and manifest in more ways. See that word is still on a mission in his life. Whatever that little boy shared with him is still 
working. It's still on a mission to accomplish everything. Because God not only wants to reveal himself as alive and living, he wants us to partake of that life. And he, I don't believe, and I know for a fact, it's not going to stop until Lenny Kravitz partakes of that life and then the way God you want you know what I'm saying so God never stops when he starts something he's you know he knows what he's doing he really does so all right why don't we stop father we thank you for your word and understanding and knowing and loving your word and we thank you Lord that we know now your words on a mission we can trust your word we don't have to be so nervous and fearful when we pray we know that as we release that word to you that you manifest it in a great way in our lives and we thank you for it Lord in Jesus name amen praise God anybody want prayer <coughs> come on up and I'll pray for you